Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to our online worship service at the Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. Wherever you are on your own journey of faith, know that you are welcome here in this sacred space and time together. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God. Our reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Listen for God's word. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, But we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, 
and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Apostle Paul's longest, weightiest, and most influential letter. In it, he speaks to the universality of salvation and what it means to live a Christ-like life. While grounded in God's grace, Paul makes it clear that the Christian life is marked by suffering. It is, after all, a Christ-shaped life. But as David Bartlett observes, suffering bears its own fruits, or better, grace bears fruit through the suffering. The litany of the gifts of grace is, says Bartlett, a kind of sketch of moral and spiritual development. Start with suffering and move to endurance. From endurance comes character, and character produces hope. It bears noting here at the outset that the kind of suffering Paul is referring to is not what we experience when confronted with a pandemic disease or a financial loss or even the death of a loved one. Rather, it is what we experience when trying to live and work in Christ-like ways. As the New Testament scholar Wendy Ruschling reminds us, Jesus' righteous life contributed to his suffering as he challenged injustice, healed the sick and marginalized, and called unlikely persons to follow him, even those who would eventually betray him. The kind of righteous life that Jesus lived challenged the status quo and those privileged with religious, economic, and political power, that is to say those who had the means to make sure that he paid the price for his actions. And therefore, says Ruschling, a life in relationship with Jesus and committed to his mission will be a life of suffering for righteousness. Last week, Paul challenged us to put things in order to think with the mind of Christ and to bear witness to the teachings of Christ. Well, this week, Paul challenges us to suffer for righteousness, to challenge the status quo and demand justice for all people. And he calls for us to commit ourselves for the long haul, promising that our endurance will strengthen our character and produce a hope that will never disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. We, like the people in Paul's time, are facing a multitude of problems. The peace and prosperity proffered by the empire has once again proven to be 
an empty promise. There are growing wars between the haves and the have-nots, blacks and whites, native-born and immigrant, liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, rural and urban, nativist and globalist, to name but a few. And the pandemic has exacerbated these problems by heightening our fear of the other and putting even more lives at risk. And now to top it all off, these wars are forcing us to address one of the underlying causes, systemic racism. And making matters worse, we have a government that seems intent on fueling these wars instead of stopping them. To paraphrase one commentator, Paul's first recipients would have recognized the echoes of imperial rhetoric that spoke of peace while perpetuating violence. Well, we recognize the rhetoric as well. But Paul offers us an alternative vision of peace, a peace made possible through Jesus' suffering and death. As I said last week, as Christians, we know Jesus expects us to live and work like him. We know we are called to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We know we are called to bring down the powerful and lift up the lowly. We know we are called to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, care for the sick, and visit the imprisoned. We know we are called to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and to let the oppressed go free. And we know that to follow Jesus, we must take up crosses of our own, which is to say, we must be willing to suffer for righteousness on behalf of others. And Paul wants us to know this as well. We must be willing to do so for the long haul. Here in the so-called new world, We've been dealing with racism for over 400 years. Racism is part of our national DNA. And despite all the lofty sounding words in the Declaration of Independence about people being created equally with certain unalienable rights, we know that blacks and other people of color have been treated unequally, as if they had no rights, certainly not as many as white people. And given our history, we know we must be committed to addressing this problem for the long haul. As I said last week, given the growing number of blacks and other people of color being left out and left behind by unjust policies and practices, or worse, the growing number of them being killed by people sworn to protect them, it is increasingly clear that people like you and like me, people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, have some work to do. And it is equally clear 
We need to be committed to this work, not just for a week or two, but for the long haul. I don't know about you, but I am haunted by those eight minutes and 46 seconds that smothered the life out of George Floyd. And I am haunted by the hunting and killing of Amund Arbery. And I am haunted by the likelihood that there are many others who have been killed, others we will never know about because no one was able to capture their deaths on a video camera. What, I wonder, causes people to do such horrible things? And what, I wonder, will it take for Christians like you and like me to do something about it? As a child of the South, I am acutely aware of the racism that plagues our country. I have seen it in my own family and in the community in which I was raised. My grandfather refused to serve black people in his restaurant. My father would regularly use the N-word when referring to blacks. My teachers and coaches would routinely characterize blacks as lazy and dumb. The movies and newscasts I watched and the books and newspapers I read fostered the idea that black folks were inferior to white folks and therefore not entitled to the same rights and privileges. And the churches I attended seemed okay with all of that. In fact, I never heard a single word about racism from the pulpit. Not a single word. Not even when Martin Luther King was killed. I also witnessed the way policemen, lawyers, and judges treated blacks. Rarely did they render equal justice under the law. And looking back, I wonder, where were the Christians? And why weren't they speaking up and speaking out about such injustices? Looking forward, I don't want my children and your children looking back and wondering where we were and why we were not speaking up. As most of you know, I've had my share of suffering over the years, but I confess to you that very little of it was due to my relationship with Jesus or my commitment to his mission. Seldom have I willingly taken up a cross in order to enter into the suffering of my black brothers and sisters. Nor have I observed many of my white brothers and sisters doing so. Clearly, that needs to change. And it needs to change now, before it is too late. Before another George or Armund or Brittany is killed simply because of the color of their skin. This past Wednesday night, Sally and I watched the movie Just Mercy. You can watch it for free this month on Amazon Prime. 
The movie, as some of you may know, is based on a true story about a graduate of the Harvard Law School who moved to Alabama to defend those wrongly condemned, most of whom were blacks like him. It's a gut-wrenching movie, particularly so for those of us who, by our silence, continue to condone racist policies and practices. But it ends on a high note, a note that resonates with today's text about the kind of suffering that produces endurance, character, and ultimately hope, the kind of hope that doesn't disappoint us. I don't know if Brian, the Harvard-trained lawyer, was also trained in theology, but I do know that his closing statement sounded like something the Apostle Paul might have said. Hope allows us to push forward, even when the truth is distorted by the people in power. Hope allows us to stand up when they tell us to sit down and to speak up when they say, be quiet. The character of our nation is not reflected in how we treat the rich and the privileged, but in how we treat the poor, the disfavored, and the condemned. We all need justice. We all need mercy. And perhaps we all need some unmerited grace. Amen. Let us pray. Suffering, endurance, character, hope, love. With these words on our hearts, God, we lift our prayers to you. We pray for all who are suffering this day. We pray for so many all around the world who are suffering from the devastating effects of this pandemic. We pray for all who are ill, for all who are vulnerable, for all who grieve. We pray for those who have lost jobs or businesses or dreams. We pray for all whose plans have been upended, for all struggling to find footing on such shifting ground. We pray for those who are lonely and isolated, for those separated from loved ones, for those chafing against restrictions, for those wanting to freely play with their friends. We pray for those feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, carrying the stress of grief and fear. We pray for healthcare workers, we pray for those working on vaccines and treatments. We pray for all who are working to contain this disease. And we pray for all of us, God, in the day-to-day -day decisions that face us as we move forward in the midst of a situation in which so much is unknown. Suffering, endurance, character, hope, and love. We pray, God, for all who suffer all around the world. We pray for those living in poverty, for all who do not have enough to eat or a safe place to live or the health care they need. We pray for those living in the midst of violence, 
for all who have fled as refugees, and for those who are trapped in terrible situations. We pray for those who are persecuted and oppressed, particularly vulnerable in times such as these. And we pray, God, for all that lies heavy upon our hearts, the particular worries, fears, sorrows, struggles, and challenges we bear. Be with us, God, we pray. Suffering, endurance, character, hope, and love. We pray, God, for those suffering from the impact of racial injustice so deeply embedded in our society and in our minds, even despite our best intentions. We pray for those suffering and we pray for transformation. We hold on to a sense of hope in this moment that things can be different, knowing that it will take endurance and character and hope and love. Be with us, God. Be with us. Open our eyes, transform our hearts, sustain us, give us courage, Guide us in your way. Be with us as we pray together. Our Father, who art, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As followers of Christ, let us not run from the suffering that surrounds us. Let us enter it for the long haul. Let us commit our lives and livelihoods to suffering with and for those who need it the most, knowing it will produce endurance, build character, and fill us and others with a kind of hope and love that will never disappoint us. And so may we and others know and enjoy the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessed communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen.